Horn Free Radio, episode 210. On today's show, I'm going to share a little tough love and tell you about the most unpleasant success principle in the world. Hang on for this one. Hey, this is Matt. I'm recording this episode in September of 2019. And looking ahead to this fall, we have some open spots for Rev Group Coaching. So if you're looking to join a group of like-minded men on this recovery journey, go to recoveredman.com slash rev. That's recoveredman.com slash rev. In rev, you're going to define your motivation for going porn free, build a customized recovery plan. You're going to get the feedback and accountability you've been lacking, and you're going to grow with others and experience teamwork in recovery. So to apply to one of our open spots, go to recoveredman.com slash rev. Porn Free Radio. Gentlemen, you're listening to me right now. You and I are together. I'm there. I'm in your headphones. I'm in your stereo, your Bluetooth, whatever. We're there together. You know, I'm on the treadmill with you or wherever you are at right now. That's the best part about a podcast. There's a community aspect to it. I'm going to break that down. All right, I'm not going to rap for you today. Don't worry. But I'm amped up. Here's another way to look at it. Man, I love the hook on that song. That's good. What up? for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn and just even if you and i are in this conversation right now i'm talking you're listening to me we're together i'm saying dude come on man i want you to feel good enough i want you to feel loved at your core i want more for you loved and hey your life doesn't have to be defined by your porn addiction gentlemen we're not alone in this well welcome to porn free radio this is the podcast for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn this is where you come to get hope and take action this is your host and guide on this journey matt dob shoots now why am i talking about myself like i'm in the third person almost um i don't know why uh, I do have some coffee today. I am down to like two drinks of my Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And um, I am planning on going on a golf retreat with some buddies in about a half an hour. So I need to make this quick. So I'm going to get right into the meat of today's show. And I might have teased it at the top. I did te- tease it at the top that I'm going to share the most unpleasant success principle in the world. Now, hang on for this. Uh, I think it's really going to be helpful to understand. Now, I want to tell you where I got this from. I have a hero. Uh, it's it's a hero that many of you guys have probably never heard of. Uh, and his name is Dan Kennedy. Now, Dan Kennedy is this kind of curmudgeonly guy. And he actually just passed away about a month ago. 
he's a curmudgeonly guy who writes about success, uh, writes about copywriting and direct marketing. Now, this is probably why you haven't heard of him. If you're not a student of direct marketing, um, you probably would never have heard of Dan Kennedy. Uh, but I just love his books and I like some of the things he writes about. And, you know, I like uh, when he talks about helping clients with copy and things like that. Um, he's a really funny guy. Um, one, one funny story that he used to tell, and I've pieced together what organization it was. He uh, was doing some consulting for Weight Watchers and he was writing some of the copy uh, for some of their programs, some of their continuity programs, you know, the programs where people sign up and have subscriptions and things like that. And uh, a new CEO took over the organization and he realized that Dan Kennedy's consulting fees were actually more than his salary. And uh, so he brings Dan Kennedy in to show him these numbers and uh, to talk about it. And um, he basically asked Dan Kennedy to explain himself, you know, how, how he could justify these fees because he was actually getting paid more than the CEO. And Dan said this, he said, um, you know, you're paid because you can run an organization and you can manage your team and, you know, you can keep your stakeholders happy and, or your stockholders and things like that. Um, I'm paid to put fat people in seats and I'm good at it. That's what he said. I don't know if he was able to keep that relationship or not, but uh, that's supposedly the story that he told. And um, he, uh, I mean, a couple of the clients that he worked for is he helped uh, the proactive uh, acne campaign, uh, which is a, like a billion dollar business. And uh, one of the things that he realized was that um, people who buy acne medication are not teenagers, it's teenagers' parents. And so if you ever watch the, uh, the, the infomercials for a proactive, um, they, they have these kind of cool people, but who are safe, you know, like Jessica Simpson. And I'm trying to think who the other one was the guy from Maroon five, you know, talking about acne. It's, 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 uh, celebrities who moms like, uh, anyway, so let's just say that I'm a huge fan of Dan Kennedy. I've read almost every book he's written and, just, you know, I just like the way he talks and it, it helps me um, just kind of even think about how to communicate my message because I think this is an important message that I'm trying to get out. So I want to use as much tools as I can to, to deliver the message in a way it has the most impact. So he's not a perfect guy. Um, I think, you know, at different points he struggled with his weight. At different points he struggled in relationships and marriages. Um, so he's not like a, like a guy that I look up to in terms of, uh, his, his, you know, the way he lived his life, but some of his work was really interesting to me. So anyway, I was reading, you know, after he passed away, I was looking through some of my files and I found a book that's out of print. Um, and I had a PDF copy of it from one of his programs and it was called, uh, it, it's got a really funny name. It's like the ultimate success secret, you know? So it's kind of, you know, you can kind of imagine what it's kind of written like. Um, but in it, he basically talks about this one idea and I'm going to share it today. And he tells the story of going to a success uh, 
you know, a conference. This would have been, you know, probably in the 70s, right? So he's going back in those days, you know, guys who who were speakers or um, or people who were inspirational speakers, they would they would tour around and speak like Zig Ziglar and they'd sell, you know, tapes for self-improvement and things like that. They, you know, they were kind of like the early podcasters, right? You know, right. If you were in self-improvement now and you were speaking, you'd probably have a podcast. Uh, but back then you used to go around, speak at different civic organizations, sell your tapes. Um, that's how you made money. And so he went to one of these, you know, success uh, things. And so the guy gets up and he says, Hey, I'm going to share right now the most unpleasant success principle in the world. And, uh, Dan was like, well, I went through the trouble of coming here, so I guess I'll listen. And the guy started saying this phrase, you are exactly where you really want to be. You're exactly where you really want to be. Now, Dan had driven to this, uh, conference in his old 1960 Chevy Impala. And he said, you know, it, it, it leaked when it rained and the seats never really dried out from the rain. And then in the winter, uh, they would freeze and crack. And uh, he said it was, uh, the car frame was broken and he had bailing wire around the back to kind of hold the, the bumper in place. I mean, it was just a really crappy car. And he said the condition of the car was symbolic to a few other aspects of his life. And so when the speaker said, you're exactly where you want to be, he wrote, I didn't like that very much. And it's kind of funny. I was actually reading this story and then I had to run out to get some coffee. And I've talked about my 2004 champagne colored Buick that's rusting out on the bottom. And it's actually got a big crack in the leather seat that I sit on. And uh, it makes a lot of noises and sounds. It's got a broken mirror on the side of the car. And, um, you know, that's taped on with, uh, what's that, uh, that tape that, um, it's not masking tape. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, the duct tape. It's got duct tape on it. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I got in that car and I went, this, you know, you're exactly where you want to be. You're okay with having this car. This, this car is a little symbolic of that you're settling in this area of your life. Now, I'm not making a judgment, but this car looks awful. <laughs> and uh, I think we bought it for a dollar from my mother-in-law. And even she has seen the car in the last few years and gone, what's up with that car? Why is it looking so bad? Um, I mean, I park it in a garage, so I don't know why it's rusty. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Dan, you know, kind of sits with this feeling, you know, he's kind of feeling a little stung by this comment, but he starts thinking about this idea of control. And he realizes that, uh, he realizes that in life, pretty much everybody wants more control. You know, if you think about why you're listening to this podcast, it's because you probably have been out of control in the area of porn and porn behaviors. So what you're looking for is, hey, how do I get more control? 
And so Dan comes up with this formula, and I've modified it a little bit. And here it is. Control, which we all want, equals ownership. And ownership equals control. Control equals ownership, and ownership equals control. So if we boil down any goals that we have in recovery, any goals that we have in our life to, to become better, to become the, the type of man who doesn't look at porn, um, to grow in our calling, to grow in our um, self-improvement, to grow and be able to love ourselves in a more healthy way, what we're really wanting is we want more control in our life. Now, here's the interesting thing that Dan points out. That as much as we desire greater control, I'm sure everyone listening right now goes, Matt, I want that. I want more control in this area of my life where I'm out of control. We are the ones who give away control. How do we give away control? The way we give away control is by blaming, by shifting the ownership and responsibility to, to external things in our life. So I just thought of a few of these. Now, again, this is just ways that we sort of shift our responsibility. Now, here's one that I think a lot of guys say, my brain is addicted to porn. So we get really into this idea that our brains are addicted. Um, uh, my wife won't have sex with me. My job sucks. I have too much stress in my life. I'm not good with discipline. I need my phone for work. Um, I haven't found a good filter. My accountability partner doesn't call me. Those are just examples. No judgment if, 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 one of, if you've ever said one of those things. Don't get hung up on the content. The idea is... There's these little things we do where we tell ourselves a story and shift the responsibility and ownership to something else. Something else in our life is causing us. And I heard some guy the other day talking about triggers. And he made it sound like triggers, like he was helpless with triggers. <laughs> and I, I get how powerful triggers are. And I get how we're vulnerable and how this is an area of weakness. But, but if we blame our triggers too much, we're shifting the responsibility to those triggers. And here's what happens. Dan says this in his little, his little book. When we shift responsibility, we do th two things simultaneously. We push away the weight of ownership and that temporarily makes us feel better but we also give up an equal size of control. Whenever we deny ownership or responsibility, we give up control. Get rid of a pound of responsibility, lose a pound worth of control. So do you follow me here? The way to get ownership, or I'm sorry, the way to get control is to take back ownership. Control equals ownership. Ownership equals control.
So thinking back to my Buick, you know, when I got in the car, I, I said that phrase, you're exactly where you really want to be. If I want to change my car, I have to take more ownership. I have to come up with a plan to replace it, which I have not done. And you're saying, well, Matt, maybe it's a question of money. Money is really priority. Have I not spent any money the last few years I've been driving around in that Buick? I've invested in a mastermind, paid mastermind that I'm in. Uh, I put a garage roof on my garage a few years ago. I've paid for violin lessons and trips to Taiwan and Disney World. There's a whole bunch of things I've prioritized over that Buick. I haven't really taken ownership or taken any responsibility with replacing that car. So when I get in that car and I feel bad about being in that car or kind of feel embarrassed when I drop my kids off at school, I have to admit that I'm exactly where I really want to be. I have not committed to replacing that car. I have not taken any responsibility or ownership. You know, my wife is getting on me about an oil change. I don't think I did an oil change for a couple years. Now, again, I don't drive this car very much. I work at home. We have another car. This is kind of the second car that I drive to Dunkin' Donuts. I drive to Sam's Club and I drop kids off at baseball games. I mean, that's kind of what we use this car for. But if I'm uncomfortable with the way it looks or drives or if I don't like it, I have to admit that I'm exactly where I want to be. Now, how does this apply to you? There's probably some places in recovery where you know you need to make some changes, where you know you need to invest or put some more time in, where you need to get into a group, where you need to get current with someone in your life, you need to get rid of a device or something, and you haven't done it. And you've had these relapses. You know, we were talking a little bit about this last week in last week's episode, episode 209, that, you know, your commitment wanes and your commitment dies or kind of uh, goes out and you have a relapse and then you start telling yourself a story about why you relapsed. But what are you doing? When you tell yourself a story, when you make it about something else, you are shifting that ownership. You're shifting that control. Why do we do it? Well, it makes us feel a little better. It gives us something to blame. It gives us something to, to not feel so bad about. But when we push away the weight of ownership, we give up an equal-sized amount of control. So, you know, you know me, if you've listened to Porn Free Radio, I talk about a plan all the time. What is a plan at its essence? It's a process for you to reassert your ownership. It's not prescriptive. I don't tell you what to do. You take ownership. You define your why. Why are you going porn free? What's the internal motivation? Again, we're not focused on external things. We're focused on what's internally motivating us. What's, 
What's upsetting you about being uh, in porn? Why are you sick and tired of being in porn? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What's the goal? What's the benefit you get out of being porn free? That helps us take ownership. How about identifying some of those weaknesses in our life? What are some of the threats or opportunities that we have in our life? Where do we need to be, build skills to overcome challenges? That's ownership, right? When I look at my car, what's the skill I need to build? I probably need to build a skill of saving for a replacement, of making that a goal, making that a priority, coming up with a plan for getting that money. For you, it might be building a new habit in your life. Not just stopping porn, not just abstaining from porn, but actually building a new habit. I, and I say this all the time. I, I see guys check in and and a lot of times, you know, we define good weeks by if we didn't look at porn and if we looked at porn, it was a bad week. But not looking at porn or looking at porn doesn't tell me what the health of your recovery is. We've all gotten busy with work and or went on vacation and didn't look at porn, didn't act out. But it's not because we were doing anything. We weren't taking ownership or responsibility. We just were lucky, more lucky than good. And then when we get back from the vacation or when we finish the big project, guess what? All the all the things that were causing us to look at porn before, all the stressors, all the things that we were running from and escaping from important come back and guess what? We're back at the computer. We're back at the phone. No, what tells me that you're healthy in recovery is what are the activities? Where are you taking ownership? If you did a check-in with me right now and I said, hey, what activities are you doing in, in recovery? I'm asking you, where are you taking ownership? Active ownership. Don't tell me about a filter you set up three months ago. That's not active ownership. What did you do this week to take responsibility? You know, and if you're checking in and starting to give me some excuses about why you looked at porn, the triggers, the this, the that, the things that happen. Okay, those are worth looking at. Those are worth, you know, strategizing for the future those can inform where we're going, but those cannot be those cannot be the excuses that we live in and avoid taking ownership with. If those excuses enable you to not take ownership, those are not going to give you control. They're going to feel good in the moment. You tell yourself a story about why you relapsed, but you're giving away control. You're giving away control. Every story that you tell, everything you blame gives away control. You know, it's kind of like me. I, I, I do have a dream. I want to get a Toyota 4Runner. I don't know why. My friend Finney has a Toyota 4Runner. And um, I, I, don't, I even like the, the 2012 model, which is random that I like a model from seven years ago. But but when I see that 2012 Forerunner on the road, I you know a couple of things I think sometimes are mistaken beliefs. I'll go, oh, I really wish I had that car, you know, or 
man, I wish I had the money to have that car. I even sometimes tell my family, oh, there's my car. But am I taking any responsibility? Have I taken any steps towards taking ownership of that goal? No. So it's just a wish. It's just sort of a, um, I'm still, I still don't have any control. I'm not any closer to having a forerunner than I was a few years ago when I thought about having, trying to get one. And that might be you and, and porn, porn, porn recovery. Um, you're exactly where you really want to be right now. Because in order to take ownership and to get that control that we desire, it's, it's work. It takes, some, it takes some energy. And some guys just aren't ready to do that work. And we've talked about all sorts of reasons why we're not willing to, to, to press in. It could be that you, you, know, you fear losing this escape, this comfort, this security blanket. Could be you're afraid to fail. I mean, I've talked about my struggles with writing a book and losing weight. What was the lie that I believed? The mistaken belief? If I don't try, I can't fail. So when I believe the lie, if I don't try, I can't fail, what am I doing? I'm ceding my responsibility. I'm basically confirming that I'm exactly where I really want to be because if I, if I don't want to be here, what do I need to do? I need to try. I need to start building a plan. I need to take ownership. Control equals ownership. Ownership equals control. So it's tough love today. You might not have wanted to hear this. You might not like it very much. But if you think about it, it's true. It's the most unpleasant success principle in the world. But it's true. When we give up control, we lose ownership. Want more control? Take back ownership. All right, guys. The guys are coming to pick me up any minute. You know, the guy who's picking me up is going to pick me up in a 2018 or 19 Tesla. Now, this guy's a great guy. And, you know, he's one of those guys who you just, you're happy for him. You, you know, if he, if he buys himself a nice car, you're happy because he's so generous. He's a great friend. He's, he's just incredibly intentional. Uh, and he connects people. There's friends that I have that are great friends in life because of this guy. He's a connector. He's a networker. He's a strong Christian. He, uh, He's helped me in so many different ways. I met him in college. Now, how did this guy get a Tesla? You think it was that one day he was driving around in a rusty Buick and just thought, hey, I wish I had a Tesla one day? No. The guy has worked really hard. He's had a plan. He's taken tons of ownership and responsibility in his life. And the Tesla is a result of that. So there's still stuff for me to grow in. I'm not saying I'm going to go out and get a Tesla, but 
If I'm not exactly where I really want to be, I need to take ownership. All right, guys, this week, take hope and take action. Be good. Be good.